I did Jimmy Fallon, Good Morning America, Good Day New York. And I did that because I said I performed at Christina Aguilera's house at a Hillary Clinton fundraiser. <laughs> weird, weird as hell. All that came from doing a remix of a song from a popular artist, A Great Big World. They had the song called Say Something. They saw my remix and put me yeah. on their next single. They had sent that song to Macklemore and other artists, but they liked my version better, put me on the song. At the end of the day, what I'm saying is no collab is too big or small. So I just outworked everybody. And then when I found a gap in the space, I was just like, okay, how can I build something that fills this gap? What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Lobster and Beer TV. I'm your host, Brian Thompson. Today's guest is arguably the biggest hip-hop artist to come out of the state of Arizona. Let's go! With a keen business sense to complement his undeniable talent as a musician. He was a pioneer in the influencer marketing game, creating a viral videos like Nerd Raps that's racked up over 30 million views to promote his music. He's collaborated with peeps like Tech 9 NF, Lazy Bone, Dizzy Wright, and Mac Lethal, just to name a few. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, coming to us live from Mesa, Arizona with a lobster and a beer, Futuristic! Yo, if black people could blush, I'd be blushing right now. <laughs> Talk to me nice. I love it. Respect, man. How are you, brother? Good. Super good. Super good, man. Uh, doing a million things at once per usual, so I'm glad I get to you know, have have dinner with what seems to be some cool folks right now. Uh, popping, looks like you're popping your Angry Orchard. I just popped mine and added my fireball to it to give it a little Angry Balls, you know, get the Angry Balls jumping off. And uh, The Angry Balls. Did you coin that uh, that phrase yourself? Nah, I think, I don't think, so. I feel like somebody else, probably my DJ. My DJ always has like, just we just throw out random shit and it sticks, you know. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty sure he, he probably said that one first. I, feel I love like. that man. Yeah. yeah. So cider, cider's your go-to. Like, what's your? First of all, cheers. Cheers. To yeah, it's good to have you for joining us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Give me that. Hey. <laughs> oh yeah. So when it comes to uh, like beer and cider, what's uh, what's like your main cider that you love the most? So I'll be real. I'm not a huge beer guy. Never have been a huge beer guy. Sorry, I know the show's name is Lobster and Beer. I've the only beer I'll really drink is like ciders or something that has like a little flavor to it. Um, so yeah, Angry Orchard Reds. Like, there's all sorts of different flavored. Pretty much any flavored beer, I'm rocking with it. You know, like yeah, a, yeah. a pear ale or whatever. You know, I'm not a beer connoisseur, but anything with a little little twist on it, I'm mm -hmm. rocking with it. Yeah, but Angry Orchard was like the first cider that i got introduced to so i figured that was like the most common one let's you know let's rock one of those out when you're on the road or uh, in the studio then though what are you normally drinking and stuff i am a ciroc guy for the most part um oh, i make yeah. these little so my my drink is called the zachary daiquiri Ooh. so <laughs> that's you know you you put a little you put a flavored ciroc like a, a mango or an apple ciroc and then you do like a crayon white peach juice. You do some Malibu and you do a splash of Red Bull. Goes crazy. Oh God, damn! We yeah. should we we should have we should have just altered and done that. That sounds fantastic. It, yeah, it wow, sounds bro. You, you don't even taste it, and then like you're wasted. And after two or three of them, and you're like, damn, what happened to me? The, the difference with the Ciroc too is because Ciroc is grape based vodka. It's made it with, with yeah. grapes instead, so it, it hits a little it hits a little bit differently. It feels yeah. it feels a little nicer. It's mad smooth, mad smooth. I was just in Nashville and actually was drinking a lot of Honey Jack. That was good, too. I kind of did not yes. the same concoction, but like I'll rock with a Crown Apple with a Honey Jack. But for the most part, like my writer is two bottles of Ciroc in those mixers specifically. And <laughs> I love yeah, it. in the food and all that stuff. So, yeah. Speaking of your drink of choice, now let's move to the lobster roll. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the special ingredient that, that you added. Yeah, I added some chipotle mayo to it. I feel like you can never go wrong with chipotle mayo. My two go-to ingredients, like, what's weird is growing up, I never liked any sauce on anything. I was a weirdo. I always got everything plain. And 
now my two go-tos are chipotle mayo or pesto so it was between okay. those two um but yeah chipotle mayo has a little you know i don't want to say it has spice but you know more than pesto does so i'm like on a lobster roll lobster's kind of tame anyway so like add the chipotle it probably smacks yeah do do have you eaten lobster rolls before are you a fan of lobster is it something that you order yeah it's not something that i up north you know i I, when i'm on the east coast for sure we we go crazy with the seafood when we're on the east coast um you love a good lobster mac and cheese from mastro's my goodness um if you haven't had that goes crazy um but yeah i was before we hopped on here i was saying i wonder if this from if this is from portland maine because when i was in portland maine I was tearing up a lobster yes, roll, sir. so it's. I think this is from there, right? Yeah, yeah, it's from uh, straight from the docks to the doorstep. Is uh, the partner that we have? They're called Get Main Lobster, Boom. and uh, it's an incredible company, man. The guy Mark who started it, you know, he he's doesn't even consider himself a CEO or an entrepreneur. He considers himself a storyteller, and that's what really drew me to him because he took this idea of taking, you know, a something that's a delicacy in the world that comes only from Maine. You know, the be- you can get Caribbean lobster, West Coast lobster, but there's nothing like Maine lobster. So he takes this thing that, you know, people would love and everyone everyone comes to Maine and enjoys it, but you can't you can't get Maine lobster fresh around the country. So he created a company where you can ship live lobsters or like this, you know, a, a couple pounds or a pound or two pounds of actual lobster meat that you can make a lobster roll with. Look at that, man. Boom. Ooh, yes, sir. Yeah, looking good. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, so it's in it, his whole point was to to be able to create an experience for families. And that's where it connected with me because I grew up uh, you know, in in Maine in the summer and my family we would always like sit around a picnic table just like this one and crack lobsters and have an experience together and have this this conversation and this vibe and it was some of the you know my favorite moments from my childhood so it it was such an easy concept when it all kind of came together with drinking eating lobster and kicking it with people that were you know very interested in learning more about you know who futuristic is in your life and now we have this this one medium to create that that conversation between us that's dope, man. That's dope. I appreciate y'all having me on for sure. Absolutely. So, dude, I wanna I wanna dive into it, man. Uh you you've had an incredible career and you're how old are you now? Twenty eight? Thirty. You're thirty now. I'm oh, shit. Big three oh crazy. Yo, yeah, after 30. this, can you can you hit me up with the skincare routine? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucked, bro. Black don't crack, fam. Black don't crack. <laughs> and I, it's only so much I can do for you. <laughs> I respect it. But yo, man, you've uh, you like looking back at your timeline and the way you've come up. It, it's it was very very interesting to me because you you approach things in a very pioneering way, Thank and uh, I'd love to go back to the beginning and kind of fast forward a little bit through you know those those high school days, those early days, like when did hip hop come into your life and when did you start rapping? Yeah, man. People always look at me crazy when I'm like, yeah, I've been rapping for 25 years because I really been rapping since I was five years old. Um, My dad was in bands. Uh, My dad's a drummer, DJ, bass player. Um, And so like from the day I was born, he plays music all around the house. Like he doesn't operate without music. Even when I bought my house, like the first thing that we bought for the house, I had no furniture. First thing we bought was the Sonos speakers so that he could, we could play music while we were setting up the furniture. Um, So it really just started at that young age. My other, like my whole family's just in music. My oldest brother is a talent buyer at a venue in Illinois. My next oldest brother plays like crazy heavy metal guitar, like can play any Metallica lick, like is nasty and produces hip hop beats. My next brother is a rapper as well. Then there's me and my younger siblings do music as well. So it just was in the blood and in, in the home from jump. So I really like, I really was selling CDs. Well, mini discs at five years old. I really was performing at five years old. I really was doing talent shows at five, six years old. Like, what were so, some of the what were some of the early inspirations and in, and in CDs that you were listening to at that time? Yeah, I mean, obviously being so young, it was like don't listen to curse words, right? So Will Smith was like one of the first rappers that I yes. really really was on. Um, and then it kind of transitioned from like 
I'd say early, it was like Will Smith. Then it was like, are you talking like Big Willie style, Will 2K? Like what was yeah, like, Big what Willie, was your Big go-to? Willie style was like the yeah. first album I think I probably had. Yeah. Um, Big Willie style uh, that I bought with my own money was probably Big <laughs> Willie style. Then uh, like Ludacris, Eminem, Busta Rhymes, all oh, yeah. the animated fast type rappers kind of like I loved it. That was when music videos were big, like the Missy Elliott videos, the Ludacris, oh, yeah. Timbaland, all that stuff was just like, and I loved that. I never really liked you know, people that were kind of monotone and just like rapped. I liked the the entertainment value of a Busta Rhymes video or oh, Eminem, yeah. or Missy Elliott or Ludacris. So yeah, those were my early influences for sure. How did you stray off onto this, this hip hop path and really, you know, was your family a part of that as you started to, to run off on that path? Um, so I'm from Illinois originally. And oh, so, okay. yeah, yeah, early, early on, it was like my dad played the drums and my brother, my oldest brother or not oldest, second oldest made beats and stuff. And then me and my brother that rapped, we'd rap over it. Right. So it was like, that was our thing That's while cool. I lived there. When I was yeah. 14, I moved to Arizona and I had to do it on my own. So being out here, it was like, okay, cool. They're not here. And then I had to really just kind of create the lane for myself and do things myself. And so that's really when it started and when it took off was actually being out here, being forced to learn, you know, I don't really engineer myself anymore, but I was forced to learn to engineer myself. I was forced to learn what how da- to- What DAW were you using back then? Dude, I was using... I don't even think, I don't even know if you'd call it a DAW. It was no, it's probably like an eight track or something, right? <laughs> it was, yeah, I recorded, yeah, I recorded on tapes. I recorded on all sorts of stuff. I had a multi-track and I actually recorded on the computer on Acid Music Studios. I don't even think. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I actually yeah. used that back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used that because they had like all these loops and stuff. So I'd make the beats with the loops. I'd record on there. I had a super shitty computer mic. And then like, I got a better mic. I started recording other people, like turned it into a business right at like 15 years old. Did you have the, uh, the, like back in the day, like most of the shitty computer mics were like the Bob Barker mic. It was like, yeah, that's exactly what I had. The white, the white one. Yeah. The white long John. Yeah. And like you said, that when you moved that kind of really escalate or your music really took off then, did you notice that when you started doing yourself, did you really start to branch out a little more and do different things than you were doing back in Illinois or just that was when it took off? I wouldn't say that it took off. It it didn't, I didn't, I didn't like take off in high school. It was just that I was forced to do it on, on my own. So it was just like learning, I guess, learning things and kind of developing and, and really moving that, moving the needle, even within my school and stuff. But the interesting dynamic is I didn't live with my dad, even when I lived in Illinois, as I was making music for the most part. So it was like, even then I still had to go to, I went to different schools than my brothers. So I still had to like sell our album at my school and I still had to do all those things. So we always did it together, but also separate, but moving out here was definitely a bigger transition of just growing into my own and, and focusing myself. Yeah. Um, First off, dude, the uh, chipotle mayo tastes really it, it, fucking dude, good. Dude, I haven't man. even had a bite yet. I need to get, oh, dude, get second, in on please. that. Get into it. Get into it. So oh, you man, pulled... I feel bad. I've been asking you all these questions. Yeah, get in on that. Pulled him up. Take all a right. bite. <laughs> Cold man right here, man. Let the man eat. <laughs> That's why I like. I look at Big Al all the time. I'm like, yo, can you start asking some questions just so I can start eating this shit? <laughs> oh, wow. How is it? It's going crazy. The Chipotle is a great addition. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not mad. I might. I might be on something right here. But- I th- dude, I think so, man. Like we, uh, we've done a whole range of different styles now since we started the show. Uh, but you know, the there's two different, you know, original styles of a lobster roll. There's the main lobster roll, which the base is mayonnaise and some seasoning, and then there's the Connecticut lobster roll where there's no mayonnaise. The base is hot butter. Uh, so you're taking the main lobster roll and, and adding this like new touch to it, which we haven't done this yet, which I'm surprised. I agree. Cause Chipotle yeah. mayo is always good. And I, I was excited, uh, super excited to hear about it. And like you said, this, this definitely works. This slaps. slaps I, this Chipotle yeah. mayo is, is top notch. I've never had this yeah. or Kensington's. Is that your go-to? I don't even, I mean, whatever's there, like Chipotle mayo is usually pretty good. I think I've only had one Chipotle mayo where I was like, this ain't it, but all the other ones. They're pretty similar, but yeah, this one, this one, you're right, does have more smoky than the it's other one. Smoke. Yeah, so you were, 
You didn't want to put the pesto on the lobster roll? <laughs> Not this time. I felt like Chipotle would be a little bit better, but I'm sure pesto smacks too. I would be interested. That would be. I think. I left, think it would be good. That I, would be a left field hit. I like, think it would. I think you honestly though, there, you could make a. You can almost do anything with good lobster, and like you know, it, and, and it would work. Like you that's get fresh true. lobster, fresh pe- uh, pesto. That's you got to hit it right there for yeah. sure. So, dude, yeah. I have a question, man. So you 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 grew up in a musical family, and mm-hmm. so it was inherently in you to make music and, in a sense, live that lifestyle, pursue it. But what was is there a first moment that you had that you were like, oh, shit, like I can actually make a career out of this and a life out of this? It's wild, man. I mean, I thought that a lot of times, right? I thought it when I was really young and there was this thing called the Culture Fest that we did in Illinois. And I had to have been like in second grade, maybe third. I could think the first time, like I won my school's talent show doing it. And I was like, whoa. I'm nice. It's going down. <laughs> and then I won an audition to do another festival. Like, and I'm, I'm competing against grown ass men. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like, you can only perform one song. I'm up here eight years old bodying, you know? So like, <laughs> I felt, I never felt like it wasn't going to be my career. I always felt like somehow, some way it's going to, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I guess when I got older, I always did business things around music. So before I was, I guess, making money off music, I was throwing parties and performing at the parties and making money that way. Or I was booking other artists to perform and opening up for them and making money that way. Or just host, I was hosting, we had a teen club out here and I hosted the teen club and got paid that way. So it was just like, everything was based around music. So it it was my career my whole life. I was literally getting paid in elementary school selling my cds like i'd walk up and down the lunch line and if people weren't getting the free lunch i'd be like you're buying my album (laughs) (laughs) i love that yeah Yeah. you got five dollars cool here's my lunchable and here's my album (laughs) or you always like creating these insane things to 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 sell your music that's just who you were yeah it was just like like i said i I think that no matter what i knew it was going to happen someday so i just thought of every single way to survive off of music in some way, shape or form. And then what happened with like the crazy marketing, I think that everybody talks about is like the nerd rap was the first thing that kind of kicked the, finally really kicked the door open. Double XL, man, I want the cover. There's no way that I'm not in the conversation. I don't have no patience unless it's patience from playing operation. I'm castrating anybody that's hating. I ain't trying to be famous. I'm just trying to make payments from what I'm making. I'm frustrated about to go super saiyan. And I'm causing mayhem when I rap. I got a coffin in the back. And if you're talking in the coffins, where you at? I'm sick. I be coughing on a track. I'm exhausted from the raps. I'm trying to kick it with the broth that's on the map. Shit, make her squirt like the holders in a dolphin on his back. And that came from, I was watching this dude while I was, I was just, I was on YouTube or Facebook. I think it was on Facebook. And I saw this dude and he was working out and he was eating junk food while he was working out. And as I look closer at the video, I'm like, this dude is at my gym. I go to this gym. <laughs> um, and it was Big Dawg's TV. Yep. So I'm like, let me follow this dude. I go to follow him and he's like, bro, big fan. I guess I'll smoke is my shit. So after he heard, after I reached out, he's like, let's do something. So people don't even know. We did like two or three pranks before we did the nerd rap. Like we did one called staring at strangers, awkwardly staring at strangers. It's the most uncomfortable shit I've ever done. You just go up to people and just <laughs> look at them. And it's mad, mad awkward. So like we did that, but he linked my video to it and was like, yo, if you, if you like the video, make sure you go follow Futuristic and check out his new song. And I got like 15,000 views off of that. So I'm like, okay. We need to make a prank based around the rap. Then he actually did a nerd rap before me. And then that's when I'm like, yeah, you're not even a rapper and people are loving this. Let me do it and let's go crazy. And so he agreed to do it. And I think it's like still top five videos ever on his channel. And he's got like 8 million subscribers. And it just, it changed my life and crushed for him and changed a lot of my homies' lives. You know what I'm saying? Just Absolutely. from- and Yeah. And that was, that- Leading up to that, it's it's not like you just miraculously have that moment and it clicks no. and it hits, right? Hell there's no. there's a full path of hustling, struggling, trying, failing that happens. And sure. then you finally hit that one piece. But behind all of that, that path is inspired by a mentality of being driven. Mm-hmm. And hey, I I don't care about, you know, what what's being said 
from the outside world. Like I have, I have a dream, a goal that I'm going to hustle to and yeah. I'm going to work towards that. No matter what, I will find a way to do that. Your laser that comes focused. from something inside. Where do yeah. you like, did that, did that come from your family, how you grew up? Like, where did that drive come from? Honestly, when I look back, like, cause a lot of people ask me that, I think that it was just no matter what, like I could never feel sorry for myself. I could never be down on myself. I'd never had the time to be like, to be any of those things. It was just like, this is the situation. How do we get out of it? This is the situation. How do we make it better? You know, like my parents split, we had a, a soup, my parents split multiple times, but you know, we'd go from, we kind of went in phases where it was like, okay, we're broke. Okay. Now we got bread. Okay. Now we're broke again. And like, a lot of people, and I'm when I'm talking about broke, like I went back to my old house and I looked at the Zillow, and my old house is twenty two thousand dollars. That like that's how that's crazy. poverty <laughs> the, the spot we were living yeah. in. So we went from like a three hundred thousand dollar house to that house, and where most people I feel like would be like, and and we moved into the worst neighborhood in the country, literally worst neighborhood in the country. When when the list comes out every year, the town I lived in is on this list. So. <laughs> Anyways, it's just like, no matter what happened, I just had to persevere through it. And so when you're building a career and a brand and what I built, no matter what happened, no matter how many no's I got, it didn't matter, right? Because mm -hmm. I have to do this. And so when my parents split, it was just like me, my mom and my little brother, and she's working a job going to school. Matter of fact, at one point she was working two jobs. So like, and she works nights. So what the fuck am I to do besides take care of what I have to take care of? And I can't feel sorry for myself. I can't be down. Bro's got to get to school. I got to get to basketball practice. I got to record this music. I got to get my homework done. And there's nothing, there's no time to feel sorry for yourself. So I think that all yeah. of that combined gave me a mentality that was like, don't be a bitch, just do it. Yeah, and you were you were forced to grow up fast. Really, really fast. Really, really yeah. fast. And not, and not only not grow up fast, but you were in a sense responsible for your siblings oh, too, for sure. and, for and sure. taking care of them. So that, cause my, my older brother, man, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, you know, we don't have to get into it, but I was a piece of shit growing up and <laughs> yeah, man, like to the point where like, I, you know, it got dark where, you know, I almost took my own life and that's why part of this show, you know, we, we do a huge push with mental health cause love that's that. been such a, a big thing in my life. Right. And I was a piece of shit, but if it wasn't for my two older brothers that had to take care of me and and step in when no one else was taking care of me for the time in terms of being there emotionally and loving and being that strength, I wouldn't be here today. And my older brother still to this day, like it's that's that's the mentality. He has that like I'm the keeper of the Cubs. I'm going to make sure that everyone's fed, everyone's taken care of. And that's his mindset. And it fucks with me sometimes. Cause we'll be, we'll be out and I'll be having, like, we'll be having a good time at like the club or something. Right. And I'll be, I'll be acting a fool. And he'll be like, you got to stop doing that. That guy was looking at you wrong. I need to protect you in this moment. Right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but that's, that's the, the mentality he has. And I have always envied that. Cause I wasn't put in those circumstances. Luckily I had the older brother to take care of me, but right. I know for him, the weight on his shoulders throughout the years of that responsibility crazy, one right? helped him become the man he is, yeah. but two also like there was stress there. And I'm sure you probably went through that as well. Oh, for sure. For sure, man. It's, it's, I always carry the weight of the world on my shoulders, but like, it's kind of like I look at it almost like Kobe Bryant was my favorite athlete, is my favorite athlete of all time. And, yes, sir. you know, you could see it on him. He carried the weight of the world on his shoulders. But at the end of the day, I rather have Kobe take a contested shot over three people with the game on the line than have fucking Devin George shoot the shot in the corner. Like, <laughs> and that's just kind of how I am. Like, I'm shooting the shot, period. And I, I can live and die with the results and – you, like I said, you can't, you just can't really get me down at the, you know, at, the, at this point. And I've, I've always kind of been like that. And when you talk about mental health, I don't know if you've heard my song music saved my life, but the pressure was yeah. so heavy on me then that like, just like yourself, like I was at a point where I was very, you know, in a very dark place and, you know, 
very close to to suicide and on the, on the, just on the edge and all that came from the pressure the deadline that I put on myself that if I'm not on by the time I'm 25 none of this shit is worth it it doesn't work it's this it's that so yep. um yeah it's it is a lot of pressure but at the same time like I would never what I carry I would never wish anyone else to carry yeah period. like I carry it I got it I'll take care of everything don't worry about it and all I want is for everybody else to be happy. So like, I'm definitely that person in my family to where it's like, give me all the bags. I got y'all. Y'all just go enjoy, you know? I love that, man. That's, Gave me chills. I love yeah, that. I love that's, that. That's it. powerful, yeah. man. And that's, that's a lot to take on. Like, so <clears throat> you have to do a lot of inner work to be able to take on that weight and that responsibility. So yeah. speaking to the 15 year old kid that's in a very similar situation that you were in yeah, at that age, who's going through it right now. What are maybe some routines, you know, things you do in the morning, you know, mindset stuff that you do to help you uh, operate at the level that you do and, you know, find the success that you've found. I'm trying to put myself back into what really snapped me out of everything. And I think it was just gratitude. I think, um, my dude speaks my language. (laughs) I think just gratitude and like realizing that so many people in the world have it way worse than you and are walking around with a smile on their face. Like this isn't something that I discovered back then, but once I started traveling and seeing the world, like going to islands and seeing people that literally don't even have electricity, like, people that don't have any people that live in huts and shit walking out of their house, smiling, so excited, so happy. And so what I, I think what I've come to realize now is that part of the reason why we are how we are and why we carry these burdens and these stresses and all these expectations is because it's, it's kind of forced on us and we compare ourselves. We're we're on social media looking and comparing ourselves to everybody, whether it be their body, their money, their success, their oh, yeah. place in life. We're doing that every single day. We're, we're taking feedback from all these different people. It's just constant comparison. And so what I do now, when I wake up, the first thing that I do, I do a morning meditation, uh, like stretch. And then I do something physical to get my mind or you know my my mind my body so i get my mind going i stretch i i do something physical i go play basketball i run i do whatever and then i get to work so it's like once you're you're doing that you're putting yourself in a position to where like your mind is open your body is open your your spirit is open and you can't just wake up and jump on social media you can't right before you go to bed still be on social media scrolling like get the fuck off your phone stop comparing yourself and i can say even before i realized like before i traveled right like when i made the greatest and when i made like my biggest album the rise I, I had an epiphany then because that was right. Dope after. album, by the way. Dope album. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was it was then where I stopped comparing myself. I was just like, you know what? I'm me. I'm not any of these other people. And whatever's meant for me is going to be, which is a very hard thing to, to realize. But what's meant for me is going to be and I'm going to get there somehow, some way at some time. And it might not even be what I think my dream is. It might be something completely different. Yeah. But through me being myself, I'm going to get there. So I'm just going to give my all to this thing that consumes me. And when it's all said and done, I'm going to be in a a place that I love. So as far as exercises, what I tell people to do, if you're a 15 year old kid watching this interview, let's say you don't know necessarily, maybe you don't know your purpose in life. You don't know what you're going to be, right? I have a brother who's 17 and he stresses about his purpose. He doesn't know what he's going to be, what he's going to do. He's about to graduate high school. What the fuck is next, right? Mm -hmm. What I tell people is write down the 10 things that you love the most. Write down the 10 things that you love the most and write down every single job you can either work for or every business that you can create that aligns with these things. Where the most things connect, that's your main thing that you should focus on. And... That's what I do. Every business that you've seen me start comes from that, comes from a note in my phone that has 150 different business ideas that stem from the 10 things that I love the most. And every year you'll see me do more shit. And I promise you it came from that list. 
Yo, so fuck, fuck Grant Cardone, bro. Futuri- futuristic needs to start teaching the fucking car- the career seminars on how to fucking how to get it going. Goddamn. Come on, come on. So yeah, and that's that's really my focus. Is like I found my passion for me, even music. Like music was yes a passion, but I I have realized that I love the marketing and the business of it more. So like that's what I'm getting into. Like I want to do motivational speaking. I want to do public speaking on all these different things, and I do educational videos on Indie Amplify to talk about these things just because I'm very passionate about it. And I, I wouldn't say that this was my dream when I was 15, but now I enjoy doing this more than I loved the music. So once again, you'll land where you're supposed to be. That athlete yeah. who ends up becoming the coach, you know what I'm saying? Or the personal trainer or whatever. That's what he was meant to fucking do. Yeah. So follow what you love and it'll lead you to a career. I uh, See, I mean... There's so many levels to our our path and our future and what we do. And I don't I don't think there's you know a end all be all of like this is my profession. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Because you got to think about a sports athlete, like you know someone like Kobe, right? Like Kobe had one of the best careers in sports history, and then moved on to start you know the the academy and teaching and then he 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 had an uh, he had an oscar right for his yeah Mm -hmm. i mean it's like so so there's multiple levels to stuff and i I love what you said like you know it's it's inspiring for the kids that are listening to to think you know hey like you can run at one thing and you can have a list of things that you want to do but you find this one thing that you want to run with but that might end up hitting you know it's like the robert frost two roads diverge at a narrow wood you might hit this split where it's like i can keep going with this but it's not really where my passion and drive is at right now but it's brought me to this place where i can go this way now and what you're saying with the businessman and that's what's impressed me like digging into what you've done this dude brought you to me and i started digging into what you did and i was like holy shit man like this guy not only has independently created something so organic and beautiful that has touched so many people, but dude, like through and through and now having this conversation with you, it's real. It translates and it's beautiful. And then to, to look at it on like a biz biz standpoint, it's like you were in, in my intro, like you were at the forefront of influencer marketing, right? Like you, you were taking people who were crushing it, on like vine and now like hey come join me on this video you bring your fans i'll bring my fans and now we're gonna double down like that that mentality is on another level that's not just the artist because a lot of these days right the art and and don't get me wrong i'm not hating on them but the artist is the the talent and they sit back and say hey i'm gonna live in the studio all day i'm gonna play shows I'm going to do this and the label will take care of everything else. You have been the talent and the label and the business side. And now what I'm hearing is like, you're like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to start to, to like really focus on this business side and give back to the community. And that is Indie Amplify. And that's what I want to talk about now, dude. Tell tell us about that. Cause I, I started studying it and I, I think you're onto something really special and you have something very unique to give to the next generation. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, every business is kind of just formed uh, from a lack of, you know, like there's nothing, there's nothing like this. There's not something that fil- fulfills all these needs that I have. And so, or you're getting hit up so much about something that it turns into a business, even though you didn't think it was going to be. So for me, it was like, I've always had, because I did it independently, I've had people drop off of labels and hit me like, yo, I never did shit for myself. The label did it all. How did you get all this shit? Or I've had people that are on the come up that are like, how did you get all this shit? So, and then I've formed relationships throughout the process that people are like, how can you link? I got this thing for this person. How can I get in touch with them? So basically Indie Amplify started from me being like, I'm tired of doing favors for people all, yep. every single day because yep. it's just the time of like, I'm calling this guy to link him with this guy. I'm negotiating in the middle. I'm doing all this stuff. And it's like, I want y'all to work together, but me being the middleman is taking up too much of my time. So yeah. 
Indie Amplify is all my resources. That that was their initial thought for for Indie Amplify was I was helping people do playlisting, and so I I started doing playlisting and for Spotify, and so. I got 20, 30 artists hitting me every week to get their songs on playlists. And I'm like, there's gotta be an easier way. Then I'm like, well, I got people that hit me to do songs with Dizzy or do songs with Mark Battles or do songs with all these people. Now, that's when it hit me like, I just need to make a website where artists can book their favorite rappers. They can book YouTube. And then as I thought of all the things that an artist needs, I just thought about all the resources that I used. And then I'm like, I hit that person. Cool, will you be on the site? This is how it's gonna work. This is what it's gonna look like, boop, boop. Boom, they sign up. They're they're on this person, this person, this person. So it was literally me sitting in this desk and messaging, going through my entire contact list and messaging every single person that I thought could be helpful to any artist coming up. And boom, that was how the site launched. And then I'm like, okay, well, what else do they need? They need educational resources. They need me to tell talk about my experiences. They need like all my contracts, contracts that I've paid. $5,000 for one contract to work with this lawyer, do, do a deal, whatever. Boom. Y'all can have that contract for $10. Here it is. <laughs> Get it. So tw- I got 20 contracts that you can buy in a bundle for a hundred bucks. You're never going to get a lawyer. Oh, no, absolutely not. Anything. No, I've, I've been through it. I've been through it, man. There's, you're yeah, talking, so, you're talking $200 an hour just for the, the associate. Exactly. So like just giving people the best, services they could possibly get and i mean i get messages every day like yo you, your book changed my life like this this the, these bundles changed my life or like i booked a feature with this artist and now i went from a thousand monthly listeners to a hundred thousand like it's just things you didn't have access to back when i was starting so yeah indie amplify is definitely my main focus right now um and just business in general man like i have another company called maps which is a better version of a smart link which we just closed our first round of funding on that that's going crazy and then i also manage five artists now too so it's just yeah it's uh it's it's a lot it's definitely a lot but it's all things that like i was kind of already doing you know i have this creative space in the studio that everybody comes and records at. Beautiful. Uh, It's all messed up, but it's just, I I have people come through here every day and they're asking me for advice and they're like, help me with this, help me with that. And I'm like, yo, like if I'm doing this, let's really do it. Let me really get behind you. Let me really take you and have label meetings. Let me really show you how to market yourself and film the content here. So yeah, man, it's just giving back to everybody that I really believe in and then giving the resources to people that deserve them and need them, you know? So I'm just kind of curious if somebody came up to you and said, like, what do you do? Like, what are you? What 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 is that? Because you do so much and it's been successful. Yeah, so like it's it's pretty crazy. So like what do you what would you say to that? I think you just stressed them out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I I pretty much say like anytime I answer the phone, everybody everybody's like, Hey, what's up? What you doing? I'm like doing a million things at once per usual. You know, like, <laughs> that's my normal go-to, you know, what's up? You know, doing a million things at once. Um <laughs> And that's kind of how it is. I've just learned to micro focus on things in a time frame. So like, just like I say, I, I work out and do this first thing. And then I, I know like that I'm from one to three, I'm filming. Then from, then at three, I go back and spend time with my son for an hour and have lunch. And then at four is when I start doing interviews, podcasts, or anything that outside of my own business, like content that other people want me to do. If I book a feature, if I book a consulting session, if I book any of that, that starts at four, you know? So like, I just make sure that my day is regimented in a way that allows me to fully be locked into one thing at a time. And like, okay, I know for these two hours I'm working on, I'm working on my artists that I'm managing for these two hours, I'm working on indie. And then I'm, I'm doing the things I was booked for, for these two hours. And at the end of the day, you look back and you're like, damn, I did to, like today I did two interviews, a cameo, recorded an educational video, um, did backside business stuff, uh, secured funding, like in hey, one day sheesh. <laughs> you know, and, and, and worked out and got to kick it with my son and my wife and, and I got a haircut. Come on. What are we talking about? Do you, <laughs> and, and do you give, I mean, right there in itself though, do you give in your educational stuff that time management, one of the most critical oh, things, do you, sure. do you talk about that a lot? Cause that's something that people oh, need yeah. and that's what they really lack. Yeah, yeah. I think that the biggest thing that musicians were lacking was like, yeah, people can tell you how to make a beat 
or how to write a verse or whatever, but nobody really talks about the mental health shit or how to manage your time. And so those are all things that I post about. And I have a whole video about micro-focusing on Indie Amplifies YouTube. Um, so yeah, it's not, and even my book is like the first half is cool. This is how you get on Spotify. This is how you get on playlists. This is whatever. And the second half is like, this is how you don't fucking lose your mind. You know, (laughs) what's, uh, what's the name of the book and how can, how can people find it? Uh, it's called the declaration of independence. (laughs) Yeah. All about how to be an independent artist. And it's just spelled obviously independence, like independent artist and it's on Indie Amplify. So yeah. Yeah. And then Indie Amplify, uh, what's the, what's the website? How can people get in contact, join the team? Yeah. IndieAmplify.com um, is the site and you can join Indie Amplify. It's free to join. You can sell your services on there. You can make money off music reviews, consulting, reactions, and you can also book all these people. You can sell your features. You can, if you have a popping platform, like y'all could technically sign up and people could pay to be on the Lobster and Beer podcast. Like anybody can really sign up and list what they have in the independent music space and people can book you. You know, so you uh, you've been such a forward thinker with the Internet and been able to capitalize on it, including with what this is exactly and essentially an Airbnb for for people to connect with each other and stuff in the entertainment business. Um, You know, where did that kind of come from? Honestly, it's crazy because I suck with technology. I'm the fucking (laughs) worst with technology. I don't know why my name is futuristic because anything futuristic can't fuck. (laughs) I can't do it. My my videographer makes fun of me all the time, but like I'm the last person to update my phone. I'm the last person to like, like I only know how to use my remote. Like don't put me in somebody else's house and tell me to put on a show because I'm not (laughs) going to be able to do it. Um, But nah, I think it's just, I think it just goes back to that mentality of like, I want to be here how can I be here? Yep. Right. I want to do this thing. How can I get it? And I think it's just like not taking no for an answer. And and like, there's no collab that's too big or too small. And I think that's how I, how I was just like, even for example, like I did Jimmy Fallon, good morning, America, good day, New York. And I did that because I shit, I performed at Christina Aguilera's house at a Hillary Clinton fundraiser. <laughs> weird, weird as hell. All that came from, doing a remix of a song from a popular artist, a great big world. They had the song called say something. They saw my remix and put me on their next single. They had sent that song to Macklemore and other artists, but they liked my version better. Put me on the song. The end of the day, what I'm saying is no collab is too big or small. So I just outworked everybody. And then when I found a gap in the space, I was just like, okay, how can I build something that fills this gap? And so I, I'm not good at technology. I'm not like, I couldn't tell you about your MetaMask and your crypto wallet right now. Like (laughs) I I know about it and I know it's useful and I'm having other people build an NFT service for Indie Amplify. But like, I'm not a tech person by any means. I just find gaps in the space and then I find a way to fill the gaps. And if I feel like I need something, then I just go create what I feel like I would need. Oh, this this smart link shit is ugly as fuck. I'm gonna build something that's doper. Like, oh, I'm like it takes me 12 emails to communicate with somebody on how to book a feature. Let me just do it in, with a click of a button, and then you just find the right people to help you build it. But what's what's most impressive to me though is you you the the moment happened right, and there's been a couple moments in your career, but the say something moment happened, and you recognized it. And you were like, okay, it's time to go full throttle right now. Let's release. You like- have to recognize it before. That's exactly. the thing that motherfuckers yeah. don't understand. It's it's the Russ effect. Russ <laughs> yep. had however many songs that were out before he blew up. And same thing with me. When I blew up, it wasn't like that was my first rodeo. Like I already had four albums out. So when well, I blew up. You were putting the work in. You were putting yeah. the work in. You were living it. That's That's... I think in today's world, especially, you know, kids, they see an instant come up. Like all of a sudden this, this artist pops up on their, their TikTok, and they're like, oh, I can do that. But they have no understanding of the actual steps and struggles, blood, sweat, and tears that led to that moment. Even, even something as small as this, like there's been other rappers that have gone viral doing similar things to me. The difference was like even Big Dawes, he wanted to just shoot the shit and drop it. And I'm like, 
absolutely not. I need my album to be done. I need the music video to be shot. And when we drop them, we're going to drop them at the exact same time. And you're going to send people here and I'm going to send people there. And I'm going to premiere the video on this thing. And we're going to make a buzz around it to where when they see this, they go into this rabbit hole of who futuristic is. And so you have to create a moment around yourself and you have to have the back catalog. Like I feel sorry for people that go viral with their first fucking song because you're never, ever not prepared. You're not going to very rarely are you going to live up to that again. Yeah. It's like you want your you want people to to go it's like going to your Instagram and you have one post. Cool. I can't fall in love with you off one post. I need more. So yeah. it's like you have to make sure that you have everything in place so that when people discover you, holy shit, they're blown away and they can just watch your shit all day. They can they can just indulge in your presence in your existence. And so that was something that I, I made sure of that when I did go viral, I knew that shit was going to go viral. When it went viral, I, I was like, yeah, of course, boom, let's go. And yeah. I already had the, the next one ready and the next one and the next one. So even like I did a diss track about somebody, Sincerely, I had the next right? diss track ready to go before I dropped the first one. It's like, in case he responds, I got this one. Yeah, but, uh, uh, the, the sincere, is that the Sincerely diss track? Yeah, bro, that shit, uh, <laughs> that shit goes too hard, too Thank hard, you, bro. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a dude, a dude dissed me, and so, and it was crazy because I really like, I don't want to say I gave him a career, but pretty much ninety mm-hmm. percent of his resources came from me. He decided to diss me on a song, and so I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna respond. I thought he was going to respond again. So I already had another track ready to go. And that's the thing that I'm talking about. Like just the preparation and being prepared for the moment is oh, like, yeah. I'm not dropping this be- until I have the other one, because if he responds today, I'll drop the next one an hour later. And people are going to be like, Oh, how did he do it? Again, with all that preparation and stuff was the thought that I'm going to go, like, I'm going to, pair with i'm gonna i'm gonna pair with influencers i'm gonna put out kind of some some stuff that i guess people would say you know it's not your deep stuff but then you kind of throw in in the albums some deeper stuff and then you'd slowly drag in the people and then you create your cult following which now then you can do whatever you want was that always the the goal to get was that kind of the plan or it just worked like that it's all it's always been calculated like even the type of fan base (laughs) i i wanted it was like okay what does my music sound like? What are the top 10 artists that I sound like? Okay, cool. That means those are the top 10 people I need to get a feature with. Those are the top, those are the shows I need to open up for. And those are the things I need to be involved in. So like my early days was, okay, I knew I needed to be part of like the funk volume shit. I knew I needed to be part of strange music type shit. Uh, MGK's cult following, Mike Studd's cult following. So my first tours all were, based off me building relationships with those artists. I'm like, I'm not so like strange music or funk volume. I kind of have this cool like frat rap element to me too. So it was like, drop drop something that sounds like what Mike Studd would do, go on tour with him, come off that tour, drop something similar to Hobson, go on his tour and then drop my shit. That's yep. a combination of the both of them. Your, your business calculation is, is and that's, I've noticed that throughout your whole career. And like I said, that's why I think you're such a pioneer in things. If more people, like I said, more people need to get on Indie Amplify because again, you've, you, you're on to some real shit for sure. And it's, it is unbelievable. The, the, like you said, the calculation and the forethought that you put in and, and how ahead it was. And again, look now at how it's paid off. I mean, it's unbelievable. Right. More people need to get on that shit for sure. Yeah, even with touring, that's how it was. It was like, open up a tour for this artist, open up a, a, a tour for this artist, gain their fans, their fans, their fans, now do your own tour. Like, I'm not just going to do a tour after a tour of my own. No, I got to go steal fans from Hobson and then from MGK. And then now I throw a show where you can literally tell who the Hobson fans were and who the MGK fans were. And now the blend of my fans in there. And so that's what it was. Or even like, I wanted to make money off my music. So the first thing I did was when I marketed, I only marketed to 12 to 25 year olds that lived in Arizona in a, they only, that liked the 10 artists that I was speaking about that lived between Chandler, Mesa, Phoenix, Tempe, Gilbert. That's the only people I marketed to so that when they fell in love with me, I could automatically quickly make money off of them from a meet and greet 
from a show, from a whatever. And so, yeah, bro, it was always calculated. I'm blown away with your mind. And I, I, w- I want to have a second episode where we, we like actually dive deep in, into like the, the inner workings of your promotional mindset. Cause the idea of what you just said, where you're like, man, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to make some music that's in the Hobson side. I'm going to jump on that world. I'm going to make some music on this side. And then once I gain the fandom from these fan bases and I have my little cult following building up, I'm going to drop my own shit. That mindset of separation from creative. Cause when you go in the studio, you're making mute. Like you're like, I can hear it through your music. You're, you're going in the studio and, Yes, you have you're you're driven, but it's more of just it's it's a piece of your soul. Like your music yeah. is a piece of you. And now after talking to you, I can tell that your music is just a, a third arm from who you are as a human being. Right. But to have the mindset to be able to like separate that creative side from the business, then take the the business and say, I'm gonna do that blows my mind. I want to dive into that on a later date. I know we're we're deep sure. into this right now, so we can wrap it up. Um, man, thank you once again for being part of this. Honestly, we appreciate it so much. Like sure. your, thanks for your having story. me. Man, I always love a good combo. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, last question: If you had an autobiography written about your life today, what would the title be? Oh, all over the place. That's, that's it that's right in line with everything you said i fucking love that i yep. love that yeah yeah was that oh. off the top too or have you seen an episode no i've never seen an episode no i've never seen oh of the no i've never seen an episode no so that was off the top yeah yeah that was that was straight off the top that was usually our guests they take like we're like hey you can take some time we're gonna cut this piece out Oh, that's funny. And take your time to think about it. You just went <laughs> it was perfect. Honestly. And that's spot yeah. on to what you've been talking about. Dude, Literally. you're in tune, man. Like your 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 brain and your connected consciousness is very impress like very, very impressive to me. And that's why I would I would love to have like a separate conversation for our listeners and especially the kids that are they're tuning in to help understand like what it takes to get there, but also to maintain that mind state because you've hit a lot of high moments in your life, but you've it from my understanding now from a distance, you've always been able to maintain at this level balance. And that's rare. I think it's important to share that Indie amplify in the amplify in the yeah. amplify yeah. everyone listening, go check out Indie amplify, For sign sure. up, become a part of that. It's very important. Futuristic dude. Thank you, brother. We appreciate it, man. Ladies and gentlemen, futuristic lobster and beer TV. Lobster, lobster and cider TV, my dude. I got got one more bite of my roll, and then I'm up out this thing. Appreciate (laughs) y'all. Hey guys, I know we got kicked out of the bar. They called last call, but we're back. And I just want to let you know we appreciate you guys so much. Our fan base means everything to us. So if you can hit the like button, subscribe right here. And hit us up on Instagram, socials, everything. Lobster and Beer TV. We love you. We will see you on the next episode. Peace!